Hello friends, welcome to God's Eagle Ministries. My name is Ambassador Mandy Oraujo Gwajo Ogbe. At God's Eagle Ministries, we are seeding the nations with God's word and God himself. He is transforming lives through his timeless truth, one content at a time. We are one in Christ Jesus. Let's stay one. Evangelism, discipleship, counseling, healing, deliverance, and restoration without wars, borders, and denomination. Today, uh, in our series of 24 tools for uh, building bridges uh, to harmony and taking our walls of conflict in our relationship, we're looking at the critical eye and building a new self-image. And so let us pray. Father, we just want to, and this is episode 17. Father, we thank you for your faithfulness and for your love and care over our lives. Thank you for the battles that you continue to fight on our behalf day in, day out. So you be all the praise and honor in Jesus' name. So, dear Holy Spirit, we ask even as we go into this word, uh, illuminate it and let it bring life, healing, deliverance, restoration to the hearers. And we pray, O God Almighty, that uh, you cause this word to ride upon the wings of the Spirit into the four winds of the earth. It is the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, bone and marrow, of so many that would listen to this, so that it will kickstart them to be all that you call them to be and to do to the glory of your name and our blessings in Jesus' name. Amen. So again, we're looking at episode 17, The Critical Eye, Building a New Self-Image. The Critical Eye. How I see you is a reflection of how I see me. Jesus asks, why do you look at this speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and do not pay attention to the plank in your own eye. That is Matthew 7.10. Christians seem to be uncontrollably motivated by some deep need to take the dog by the ears. Proverbs 26.17. They're always meddling in other people's stuff. This is one of the main reasons the world hates the church. We have declared ourselves to be the world's police force. We are the self-proclaimed militant army that is here to police and judge the world. When we should be a loving family who brings hurting people into the family circle by adoption. Our concept of presenting what we mistakenly call the gospel is to let people know they are sinners so they will realize their need for Jesus. This erroneous concept leads the Christian to think that the best way to let people know they are sinners is to point out their faults, that is, to find a speck in their eyes. Um, her heart dictates how you see. Your heart dictates how you see. The way we view something is a product of our heart. If we have a critical eye, it is because we have a critical heart. The Bible says, he that had a forward heart findeth no good. Proverbs 17.20 The forward heart is a crooked heart. It is a heart that has been reshaped through the pressure of sin, legalism, religion, or life circumstances. It is a heart that sees only the bad. It cannot find the good. Some people seem to have mistaken criticism for uh, discernment. Criticism is not a gift of the Holy Spirit. It is a product of a corrupt heart. Religion has forged the church into a critical reactionary society, not much different than that of the Pharisees in Jesus' day. 
Christians have created an antagonistic, antagonistic relationship with the world. Today, the church is reaping the scrutiny and judgment that it has sown for 1700 years. It is no wonder the world hates us and looks for fault in us. It is mere repaying our investment with interest. We are reaping the seeds of judgment and criticism that have been sown for centuries. Our need to find fault does not, however, stop with the world. We also have turned our scrutiny onto our brothers and sisters in the Lord. We try to motivate other believers to grow by showing them how weak and faulty they are. Not only do we police their actions, but we also police their words. We try to make them observe the right formulas for confession and prayer. As a result, we have made the church a very unsafe place even for believers who are in need. In fact, our list of rules have probably become as long as that of the Pharisees. Those, those around us will always have needs in their lives, just as we will always have needs. But just because we see the need in another person does not mean we have the right to invade that individual's life. Our first goal should be to love the person and make him feel safe while owning his problem. If we do not feel safe with their problem, they will feel that they have to cover it up. They also certainly will not respond positively to our inquisition. We actually force people into denial by our rejection and condemnation. When they see our disapproval and rejection, people with problems. They realize that we will reject them because of their problem as well. They see that it is not safe for them to expose their problems in a critical eye. Someone once said, the person who will influence you most is not the person you believe in, it is the person who believes in you. There's a question we need to ask ourselves, can we still see the good in people who have obvious problems? Do we make people see that we believe in them even with their problems? Some people see God only through us. Colossians 4.6 says, Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. God's grace is His ability that works in us. Our speech should always convey ability and empowerment. It should make people completely confident that they can do all things through Christ. When they are under our scrutiny, we should see the power of God in them instead of the weakness of the flesh. We must let them know that we are confident of Christ in them. Paul said that our talk should be salty. Salt has many great qualities, but as much as anything else, it is a preserver. Our speech should preserve people and not destroy them. Once we have negatively touched a person's self-worth, all meaningful communication is over. Jesus never attacked self-worth. Even the most outrageous cases, he was merciful, he was kind and patient. No example makes this clearer than when he encountered the woman taken in adultery in John chapter 8. The goal in our every conversation, the goal for all our ministry must be to bring people to a loving experience with God. That experience, however, begins with what they encounter in us. Our interactions with people cannot be about proving them wrong or proving ourselves right. Such thinking is at the heart of removing the splinter from 
our brother's eye while ignoring the board in our own. No, our job is to persuade them of God's love so they will feel safe enough to trust Him. They do not need to expose their heart to us. They, did not, they need to expose their heart to God. So, in a nutshell, they do not need to expose their heart to us. They need to expose their heart to God. People also experience God by watching us model the kind of life they can have. People learn far more from what they see in us than from what they hear from us. They need to see that we handle with happiness and peace the same issues they have. Example is not the main thing in influencing others. It is the only thing. Jesus knew this. His ministry followed a pattern of teaching, discussing, modeling, uh, discussing, assisting, discussing, sending forth, and discussing. He lovingly and patiently led his disciples through the process of personal development. Although their flaws were evident, he stuck to principle-based teaching that led people to the place of self-discovery. It was always safe to be real around Jesus. It was always safe to ask questions. It was always safe to discuss the issues. The critical eye sees a fault and in the name of love and ministry begins to plug up the tears or weeds in a negative attempt to remove the problem. In the end, the devastation is so great that they feel that the heart is destroyed. Jesus warned of the devastation that comes from trying to solve problems by pulling out the tears. He warned that it will be pulled out as well, see Matthew 13. So a fault-finding critical eye finds what it judges to be the problem and begins to pull it out. But in the process, the wheat is destroyed and the person is left with nothing. When I am delivered from a critical eye, I will see people as God's system. I will always know that the Spirit of God can work in them to solve every problem and conquer every obstacle. To see, you see, our confidence in people is directly related to our confidence in God. When we see the best in them, they will see, they will see, believe, and live the best God has to offer. So let's take a look at. Um, building a new self-image for parents who are wounded. As you, a wounded parent, attempt to build a new relationship with your rebellious child, it is also important for you not to uh, neglect yourself. So I repeat that again. As you, a wounded parent, attempt to build a new relationship with your rebellious child, it is also important for you not to neglect yourself. The self-image of a wounded parent is not likely to be in good shape. It probably bears the trappings of failure and defeat. A battered self-image needs to be repaired. Yours may even need a transplant. Some people who have undergone plastic surgery suddenly develop what seems to be a new self-image, believing in their new attractiveness and beauty. They began accepting and even loving themselves in a healthy way. You may not need plastic surgery in order to develop a new self-image. God has his own unique methods of the spirit, the chartered self-image. When 
Christian church-going parent lose a son or daughter to a non-Christian, secular, and immoral culture, it does something to them. They tend to conclude that something is wrong with them, their family, their home life, and even the quality of their life, of their Christian faith. To experience what seems to be failure as a parent shattered one's self-image. By self-image, we mean the way we see ourselves and the way we feel about ourselves. Feeling of worthlessness, inferiority, loneliness, and inadequacy also overwhelm a wounded parent. You want to withdraw from people, especially those who thought you were an exemplary Christian parent. Now that they know the ugly truth, you don't want to face them. You feel that you are a handicapped, second-class Christian. Other parents may be okay, but you have concluded, I am not okay. If there are other children at home, you may tend to become fearful that they will be like the one that went astray. Such fear could cause you either to become overprotective of those others or afraid to discipline them for fear they will rebel also. Parental paralysis can easily set in. The basic problem is not what other children do or don't do, but how you feel about yourself. A shattered self-image needs treatment. A good dose of self-respect, self-acceptance, and self-love is the time to be a good parent to yourself. Stop kicking yourself. Stop putting yourself down. Stop scolding yourself. Stop calling yourself names. Stupid, dummy, no good, failure, bad. Treat yourself as a good parent would. To put it another way, how would a close friend treat you at this time? Treat yourself that way. You'll make a serious mistake if you go on breaking your shattered self-image into smaller pieces. The creative possibilities of disappointment. When you start to build a new self-image, it will be important for you to realize that God has more at stake in this process than you or anyone else does. The Bible makes it clear in the beginning that you were created in the image of God. A sense of failure causes one to have pure, poor inner vision and thus uh, to have a distorted view of that image. God wants you to see yourself as you really are. In his image, from the perspective of the New Testament, the original image of God was marred by sin. But through salvation in Jesus Christ, the Christian has put on, as one puts on clothes, a new nature, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of his creator. That's Colossians 3.10. The old image, the one marred by sin, has been replaced by a new image, the new nature in Christ. As Paul says, just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall all let us also bear the image of the man of heaven, that is Christ. 1 Corinthians 15, 49. The image God wants you to see in yourself is not a distorted view of yourself due to problems, defeats and discouragement experienced in the human parenting process. The image in you is not contingent on your achievement and efforts as a parent. It is a given. The image of God after the likeness of Jesus Christ. Actually, God is able to use your experience in life to recreate his image in you. Notice Romans 8, 28-30. We know that in everything God works for good with those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. 
For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn, the preeminent ones among many brethren. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. These verses say that God is shaping his people into the image of his Son. This is the God, the good that God works for in using everything in our experience, including what happened to us as parents. This idea is also supported in 2 Corinthians 3.18. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being changed into his likeness, image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit in Galatians 4. 19, Paul wrote to the Galatian Christians that he was feeling great concern for them, even pains like those of childbirth, until Christ be formed in them. In the most, in the most of our apparent uh, parental failures, God is changing us into the likeness or image of his son who is being formed in us. To build a new self-image means to recognize the new image of God in Christ which God is forming at the very core of our personality. This truth should make wounded Christian parents confident that creative possibilities exist even in disappointments in childbearing. God wants you to see not your distorted image of the defeat, but Christ's new image of victory. What kind of person you are is not dependent on what you did or did not do, but on what Christ has done for you in the past on the cross and is doing it in you in the present. By the grace and help of God, you can turn your failures and disappointment into positive forces. I like the way Robert Schuller redefines the meaning of failure. Failure doesn't mean you are a failure. It does mean you haven't succeeded yet. Failure doesn't mean you have accomplished nothing. It does mean you have learned something. Failure doesn't mean you have been a fool. It does mean you had a lot of faith. Failure doesn't mean you've been disgraced. It does mean you were willing to try. Failure doesn't mean you've, you don't have it. It does mean you have to do something in a different way. Failure doesn't mean you are inferior. It does mean you are not perfect. Failure doesn't mean you've wasted your life. It does mean you have a reason to start afresh. Failure doesn't mean you should give up. It does mean you must try harder. Failure doesn't mean you will never make it. It does mean it will take a little longer. Failure doesn't mean God has abandoned you. It does mean God has a better idea. In the hands of God, the creative possibility of disappointment as a parent are limitless. There is too much at stake in your family for you to call it quits and retreat into the loser retirement home. God is still in the process of making a new person out of you by using the experiences you are having with your children. Moreover, your children are watching how you respond to this difficult situation. Wounded parents will be wise to affirm each morning. Shola's now famous possibility thinker creed. When faced with a mountain, I will not quit. I will keep on striving until I climb over, find a pass through tunnel underneath or simply stay and turn the mountain into a gold mine with God's help. 
So that brings us to the end of episode uh, uh, 17, the critical eye and building a new self-image. So until then, stay tuned. Until seven, uh, we'll be going into episode 18 shortly. Take care. Bye-bye.